up, witches? I'm Taylor. And I'm Amber. And this is Waking Waking Up up the Witch. Witch. We're your neighborhood witches, and each week we get together and talk about all things witchy. We're two curious ladies trying to understand the human experience, but while we do that, we think it's important to honor the people that lived here before us and honor the cultures and traditions that we're being inspired by. This podcast is about waking up the witch, which means we are learning and growing every day. That being said, we're always open to feedback on how we can do better. Now, let's go, ghouls. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Hello, lovely friend. How are you? Really good. Yeah. Just feeling like today's, well, I've officially, finally, fully started bleeding, not Mm -hmm. just like spotting and like having hurting boobs and stuff. So today's like my first real heavy day and I'm just kind of like, like in that like slower energy kind of feel, but I just feel really good too. Like not all bitchy and angry and painful. Sometimes I feel like once the blood starts flowing, like I think that's when you're like right after that, your estrogen spikes, so you stop mm-hmm. feeling so. Yeah, I was having cramps last night, but today I'm just feeling like a little tired, but like I'm good. weird, like just kind of high almost. Yeah. I feel so. We're usually so in sync. I just finished my period. Mine was a week early. Yeah, so. well, mine was like I thought I was starting a week early. I was having spotting. And I was like, okay, it's going to start soon. And then it just never really did. And my mm-hmm. boobs just hurt so bad. <laughs> Bummer. I was like, can't touch me. Please don't touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but I feel great. How are you today? I'm just great. Lovely. Um, my last day of my bleeding is like today, probably. Yeah, I'm just feeling so super fucking grateful just to know so many lovely people like me too every guest that we have interviewed have been like people that we love and like know really well except for like maybe one or two people but like people that were a part of our lives Mm -hmm. and it's just like first of all i'm learning so much about some of my closest friends yeah and like, because, you know, you tell people about your life and stuff, but this something about this format is just so amazing. And, like, I had no idea, uh, like, the extent of the stuff that we talked about with Jess. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just had full body chills the entire the time. time. Like, it was such a good interview. And obviously, I've always known she's a fucking amazing person, but, like, Wow. Yeah. Just wow, wow, wow. I was so and grateful. For there's that. even so much more to her than yeah. just we just like you know, you can't fit somebody's whole entire life story into an hour. No. We talked for two hours and it was still probably <laughs> just a scratch off the yeah, surface. Barely anything. Mm-hmm. Um incredible, incredible story. Yeah. Um I was <laughs> thinking too, like, you know, I that was my first time ever talking to Jess and um mm like sitting there and I was thinking for a moment, like kind of having one of those out of body, like witnessing experiences that we have sometimes when we're Mm -hmm. recording. And like, I love how this feels every time we talk with someone. It's like, we're, it's like we're hanging out with a 
an old friend and we're just yeah. like having a really good conversation but it's so much more intimate than that too yeah. like you were saying like you're learning so much about the people who you've interacted with or have been a part of your own spiritual journey or just journey yeah. in your life and like you know but we're actually giving these people an opportunity to just be themselves and yeah. share who they are and it it's like so comfortable like I feel like of course we all get nervous and some people because you know like this is going to be out into the world mm -hmm. sometime um but it just feels so like comfortable and they and just they have this moment of like oh I just get to like share about me like it you know when you're talking with friends sometimes there's pressure because you're all sharing yeah and like we we are all sharing a, a little bit but it's mostly like this is your, your moment time. right here I was to thinking be here with us that like maybe sometime in the future i would want us to retell our stories yeah that <laughs> sounds wonderful we'll do like a <laughs> celebratory episode where we like go in and um tell our stories again and yeah because i was so fucking weird and, yeah. <laughs> and nervous, so nervous at the beginning then. but now i feel like oh, God, I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, it's really helped us both like expand and grow so much more. Yeah, doing this. Um This is our t this is our 10th episode. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank like you. what? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. We are drinking a wine that looks like a tarot card. It's called Lapis Luna, which means blue moon. That's beautiful. I was like, I this artwork's beautiful. I have to get this for us for our, our next recording. Yeah. I'm I'm just so grateful it's, for this. The back says the perfect time to start never arrives. <gasps> I didn't even Ooh. read it. I was just like, um, And it's like this person holding up this big burning heart. Oh, yeah. Amber, how was your week? <laughs> Uh, my week was really good. I haven't seen um, you. I know. It's been like six days or something. Um, yeah, it was really good. I um, I got to get a facial this week. Mm -hmm. I used my birthday, birthday certificate. Um, Shout out to Allison, Allison Harlacker. at Daydream Aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Grants Pass. And Grants Pass. Um, if you are... In the Rogue Valley area, highly, highly, highly recommend going to see her. Um, I I booked a, like, I don't remember what she calls it, but it's like her standard facial. Mm -hmm. And then um, I also booked eyebrow wax and tint, which I've always wanted to get an eyebrow tint. Um, especially getting older, my eyebrows are, like, lightening up a lot and um, – I like my eyebrows yep. and I just wanted them to kind of pop a they little bit amazing. more. They look so good. Yeah. And I like have this uh, past trauma of getting yeah. them waxed and they were really fucked up. And so I always have a really hard time trusting people, but mm -hmm. I, I follow her on Instagram and she shows off stuff and she does her own and it's just like, she's really good. Yeah. Uh, so I was, you know, I was had a lot of faith going and knowing that my eyebrows would look good and they look so good. Yeah. She did and such she a good job. <clears throat> like all organic products and it's just super intentional. And she listens to this podcast every week. Yeah. And we love you, Allison. Love Thank you, you for your gifts. My facial is so good. She was she was really cute because we like we're all chatting, having fun, and like I've met her in person once before, but it was like 
you know, it, it was for your bridal shower. So there was a lot of people. So I really got to like sit and chat with her, which felt really good. And um, then when it became time for the facial, she was like, you know, to all my clients, like the waxing's like the chatty fun time. And then this time is for you. So like, don't feel obligated, you know, just relax. And I was like, okay, yeah, I do really need that. Like, yeah. I want to keep talking to you because you're awesome. Mm -hmm. But I want to also like sit in my lovely self-care so yeah I was just like okay th thanks for the permission I'm gonna do that exact thing and oh my god like it just felt so nice I felt like I was there for like five hours and she did such a good job my face like she didn't even do like extractions or anything just like really mm -hmm. good cleansing and a couple masks and it was just like a very gentle beautiful facial and I felt so relaxed and just like held and she just she holds beautiful space yeah. and it, I'm so grateful and I can't wait to go get more work done by her. Yes. So that was like the big highlight of my week, uh, just taking some good self-care time. And then Wednesday, I went to Pascal's Winery, which is one of our favorite wineries here yes. in the Valley with um, Melissa and Nicole was there. So I got to see her, too, which I haven't seen her in a long time. And it was really exciting because I, like, show up and our favorite babe who mm -hmm. works there, Yahida, love you so much. She's such a goddess. And she comes up to me and she's, like, so excited because her and the owner have been kind of toying with for a while having, like, a witchy night there. Mm -hmm. They do tons of fun events and it's something, like, she's really wanted to do, kind of, like, having people bring cards and like you know you bring your crystals and we got the wine kind of vibe so like people could show off like their spiritual tools that they want to and she's like I don't know if you'd want to record here but that's an option so who knows what that looks like but um so that so made exciting. me so exciting or made me so excited yeah. and I was like absolutely like I'm sure Taylor's down too I'm Fuck so yeah. down you know uh, to come here and just like meet other people and have a space where people can come and feel safe mm -hmm. and then enjoy some really delicious wine in the properties gorgeous Amazing. it's so good so that's exciting so uh rogue valley listeners coming soon at pascal's sometime we'll let you know um i'm sure on their instagram and our instagram whenever it happens we're gonna do which i nights. honestly think it would be cool to do some kind of like full moon ritual there that'd be so yeah cool. that was something she was talking like, about too why like red wine and like the full like outside moon under the moon just like ugh, mm -hmm. all of it just goes together we can so lead that we can make that happen for sure and we're gonna i think we could do like so I don't know. Like oh yeah, I have so many ideas. Yeah. And and like they have the space and they want to do it. And she you know, she kind what of presented it honor. as like one night. And I was like, Well, when would you like to do that? And she was like, Well, we're kind of thinking monthly. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so Shut down up. for this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have monthly ideas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so excited so to coordinate and collaborate make that happen i just think that's so special i just love that place i love her like the energy there is so good yeah it's full and, of crystals and like yeah. local art and yeah. the views are the phenomenal. views are amazing yeah just so the beautiful wine is impeccable. the wine is so fucking good so that just felt like like yeah a yeah, safe space for other spiritually also, minded people to come and just like yeah be together just what we're putting out is like being 
received. Yeah. And, <laughs> holy crap. And in our community yeah. too, which feels really good that we get mm-hmm. to be a part of something bigger that is like outside of us, but that we get to be a part of that. So excited. <laughs> 10 weeks of episodes. Yeah. We're already doing stuff. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, and then I've yeah. been saving this for you. Please tell me. I hate <laughs> secrets. So yesterday, our bestie here, Melissa, asked if we wanted to go get brunch with her. And she's like kind of having her own little like lady weekend with herself. Her man's out of town. So I was like, hell yeah, I want to go like really catch up with her because we didn't really get a whole lot of time on Wednesday together. Um, and so we met up at Over Easy and just stayed actually at Sunnyside because they have like a small menu and Mm -hmm. it it was nice and chill in there. So I walk in and Stephanie, the owner's there and she's like, so like she, she's so fucking nice. Like she's so sweet. And she's always excited to see me because now we're like neighbors basically. And you know, things are, she's excited for what I'm creating above her restaurant. Which is amazing. And I'm like, so she's there with another woman who works for her. I forget her name. Um, but she's like asking me if I offer um, like smudging services for places. Cool. And I was like, you know, I don't have anything on my website like that, but I absolutely am interested and would love to yeah. do something like that. Like I could figure out what that looks like. And um, she's like, yeah, because, you know, so they opened over easy several years ago. And she's like, this that side has always felt really good. Yeah. And then recently this year, they've opened up Sunnyside, which is next door mm-hmm. on Main Street. And that's like kind of their bar area mm-hmm. where you kind of go and hang out and wait and drink your cocktails while you're waiting for your brunch table. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, this place is just it hasn't felt like on point yet you know it's not like the the feeling that we've like energetically that we've been wanting to call in like it needs a little cleansing in here and so we're kind of talking about that and I was like oh yeah there's tons of spirits around here for sure like I feel that and um so she starts to tell me that I guess like so our landlady, her friend uh, and her friend's dad, they were kind of doing the management piece of it. And his name was Richard something. I forget the last name. And he ended up like his wife ended up passing away. And then he not too long after ended up passing away, basically of a broken heart. And so when he died, they were like, well, who is our landlord now kind of, you know, like this whole situation. I was like, Oh my God, like, who is this man? I got to look him up. Like maybe we can find a picture. I was like, I was like, tell me more. And she's like, yeah. So I just kind of think like Richard's just hanging out here, you know, we'll leave him like little um, shots of whiskey and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, they love that. Like spirits just want uh, to be acknowledged mm-hmm. really. And to like share in the fun. And it's no surprise that they're over on the bar side of the business yeah. too, with all the spirits. Um, and so I was like, okay, I have to tell you. And so I tell her about the spirit man that you always see in the boutique space. And she's like, Oh my God. And so like, she's like, I just want to know so much about the history here. I guess the historical society of Medford is literally across sixth Avenue, like behind us. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I've thought about going to like be on the committee just to, uh, like learn about the history over here. She's like, I'm so fascinated by that stuff. And so we're just like all kind of chit chat and having fun. And so her coworker, the girl who's also standing there listening, she was like, 
could there really be like any better neighbors? Like you guys are just like the best neighbors (laughs) because we're just like chatting like back and forth about the ghosts of the building. And so I'm like, oh yeah, like we'll figure something out. I would love to come down here and connect with the energy and figure out like the intentions you guys want to set and cleanse and clear the space. Like we could do that as frequently as you need to. But I thought it was so fascinating. Do we remember what I said I thought his name was? So I was editing that and I was like trying to figure it out it, you didn't say that but it was I forget the names I should have written it down but I was like oh wait was she like because she was just saying off names like what, what was his name and I had tried I put it in my google to try to find I just think I have his last name spelt wrong so I'm gonna ask her again I also told her that we're gonna have to interview her though so we could talk about all of the the ghostly yeah, gossip on like a wine night <laughs> holy yeah shit <laughs> But I was like, oh, my God, so many things like the old landlord basically could be just hanging out up here. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, what? How old was this guy? Yeah. Like. ah. Yeah. So we need to talk to her. Have I said that on this podcast about the guy? We talk about we talked about it in last last week's episode. Yeah. So coming out. Fucking crazy. Because my sister had felt the spirit. Or saw the spirit, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Different. Melissa, every time she's been up here, she also sees and feels like... Because it's strong. Yeah. It's not like... I don't think you have to be in touch with anything uh-uh. to feel Mr. Richard over there. Yeah. We're just going to call you. him Richard now. Yeah. Um, I will... Like I said, I will... I feel like get I Get intentional. Like Robert or... I think you said Robert and maybe John or something, something. like that. Like, But also, those are just normal names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you were you had like three names that you spit it off and I was like wait and I pulled out my phone to look at Google and I was like oh not the right one <laughs> well that is so fascinating yeah that I was really cool that. I just love her I, I love like that I get to have her be, be a part of like this little space with me too <sighs> anyway so that was my so my good. week and like all the fun stuff that happened and now so we good. just like are here together again how was your week what'd you do um so much i first of all i forgot i said on the podcast that i signed a lease and then a bunch of people <laughs> fucking text me like congrats on your new space and i'm like oh yeah. guess i need to make like a formal announcement and then i made a bunch of videos today to say something and i still haven't said it and i like posted on my story hey book an appointment before i move and so many people are like, what? oh, my God, where are you going? And Kurt's like, you have to tell people. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> He's like, you can't just leave people hanging. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. I, like, made a bunch of flyers. I made all this beautiful artwork to post about it. And I'm like, I just need to show my face. Yeah. And, like, tell them with my face. <laughs> and then I just can't do that either. But I will. I'll do it today or tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I bought a bunch of art for the studio and it's sent to my old house in St. Louis. Oh no. And so they were like, you just have to wait for it to ship and then we have to send out replacements, which is so stupid. I don't know why it would just automatically, I don't even use that email address anymore. I don't know if my phone was just like logged. I guess my phone was on that website was just logged into Mm -hmm. it because I haven't ordered anything from that website i've deleted my old address off of my apple pay so many times and it always pops up as the default so i didn't even have this phone number when i lived weird 
Um, Friday, I went to Eugene and I got my throat tattooed. Yeah, baby. My throat chakra. <laughs> Just shining bright now. <laughs> um, and I was nervous because, well, two reasons, like the pain, mm-hmm. which tattooing your throat actually doesn't hurt at all. I know nobody's going to believe that, but it really didn't hurt. <laughs> I know I hate, people hate when ta- like people say tattoos don't hurt, but it literally didn't hurt. And then um, just, I mean, tattooing your throat is kind of a big deal. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of life changing. People look at you different, treat totally. you different, whatever. And you, no takesy backs. I kept saying that the whole, <laughs> hard, whole car ride home. And Kurt was like, you've said that four times. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, oh, guess I can't take it back now. And he's like, do you want to? Like, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> it's true, though. It's like, I mean, it's like getting your first tattoo, basically. Where you're like, I think I was way more scared to do my throat than yeah, my first tattoo. Yeah, it was a big deal. I don't think I've been afraid for any other tattoo but that one. But, yeah, there was, like, one point where she was tattooing me, and I was in such, like, a zend out mm. blissed out fucking state where i was like i in a different dimension i love it was that. so good i love when that happens like the music was just right the vibe like everything and mm. i was just like oh where am i and then every time i stood up i was like oh crazy <laughs> but i also did take a couple shots of tequila so mm. whatever mm-hmm. um who did it her name's Lexi, and she owns a tattoo shop in downtown Eugene called Sad Devils Club, and it's super cute, like, bright, vibrant, um, all women, awesome. queer-owned, like, super lovely. Um, everybody there was great. And then what else? And then I came home. I haven't really done anything this weekend just i feel like i've been fighting off something for the last Mm. couple weeks Mm -hmm. which is great because i feel like my immune system is so much stronger than it has been the last two years and so like haha you can't catch me (laughs) you're trying (laughs) but you can't so i've just been sleeping a lot and then like trying to give myself the grace and allowing myself to rest because I'm bad at that because I get in my head and I'm like, you know, I have these goals and stuff and like I want to be hot. I want to be fit. And then if you can't make yourself get in like your workout or whatever, it's like easy to kind of be a dick to yourself, which is I'm working on. And I am kind of coming to this like this space of the more – rude i am to myself the more it's just like at like putting up these blockages of like getting towards my fitness goals or whatever mm-hmm. so we're not doing that anymore and i'm just releasing that i watched the casey anthony um yeah. documentary so everybody in the world knows who casey anthony is and if you don't know like she was on trial for the murder of her three-year-old daughter but was acquitted Mm -hmm. and i watched that whole trial with my mom in like 2000 what eight right nine yeah i remember i was working somewhere in the summer and like my mom would record it and then i would come home and watch it i mean the trial went on for like a long time but Mm -hmm. we watched at like almost every day Mm mm-hmm 
And I remember in real time watching the defense say, like, her dad, like, essayed her mm-hmm. and um, all of that. So I, along with everybody else in the whole fucking world, have always been like, that bitch got away with it. Mm-hmm. And call me, call me naive or too trusting. But after watching her in this documentary, like, I don't think she did it. I don't think she did either. I think that, first of all, like, as a society in the last 10 or 11 years, we've come very far, and we haven't. Yeah. But um, we talk about trauma a lot more. We talk about mental health. We like all of these things, and even the science behind it has come mm-hmm. really far. And so now... I don't know, we're at a place of understanding understanding complex PTSD mm-hmm. and, like, being a, survi- a childhood survivor mm-hmm. of sexual assault and, like, how that can impact you into your adult life. And, like, she was 22 and got pregnant at 19, was 22 by the yeah. time she's on trial. And, like, she's not even fucking full-grown human being. No. And we're just making her out to be this, like, party girl whore like fuck the media fuck her parents fuck everybody if she's telling the truth poor fucking casey anthony totally agree horrible life i'm so glad that like she now has her defense team as her family family. her chosen family Mm -hmm. and that she got the fuck away from her fucked up family Mm -hmm. um i just choose to believe a victim and a survivor i do i'm not in a place anymore where i'm gonna like just criticize I well not that I've ever been in a place to deny a victim but like I don't feel comfortable saying like that didn't happen to somebody who am I to say that explain it as someone yes who is also a survivor of childhood abuse in that way like her talking about it I was like yeah I she's not fucking making it up like the the things I'm rewatching it and the part where she's like talks about the amount of shame she felt yeah. when Jose Baez told the entire world that she had been yeah. like assaulted by her father as a kid. Like that's how you know, it's because if real. you've ever been sexually assaulted or raped, you understand the shame. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Why do you feel so shameful yeah. about it? Like the shame is well, so that deep era and heavy. Also, of when it happened, like really, our society hasn't officially started to believe survivors yeah. until very, very recent until years. The Me Too movement, exactly, yeah. and that is what like four years ago, like yeah. barely. And you know, we've always been as a society blamers of the victims yeah. and that's just what has always been and not holding to us. the assailant accountable Never. yeah and the, oh my god the part where i mean i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk too much about it because i want you guys to watch it if you haven't yeah so if we'll you, talk about this off air no matter where like, you sit in your beliefs of this case i highly recommend watching it with an open heart and an open mind like i even went into every episode it. though because i yes. started the first one thinking like she fucking did it and yeah. then by the second one i'm like 
more exactly so i w- i walked into it like still thinking like how did she get away with yeah. this and then by second episode i was like <sighs> yeah and when i started I it her. my best friend was like i can't believe you can even watch her talk because yeah. of how much you hate this person yeah. and i just tried to watch it with an open mm-hmm. mind and i believe her i believe her i'll too. never not believe a victim unless there's literally facts that say mm-hmm. that they didn't they weren't mm-hmm. um victimized or yeah and really the police just like dropped the ball and just surprise like, fucking surprise chose- cops protecting another <laughs> yeah. fucking cop yeah exactly bullshit yeah fuck that so um i just yeah. i had a really good week i'm really glad that i watched that i'm getting kurt to rewatch it mm-hmm. um i feel like Again, I say this every week, but like coming back to this podcast is something that like really grounds me and keeps Mm -hmm. me moving forward Mm -hmm. and like my growth and my spirituality and all that stuff. And as of like today and yesterday, I don't know if something like energetically has shifted in the stars or Mm -hmm. what, but I'm feeling a lot different, a lot lighter, a lot more motivated in different ways and like excited for this next chapter and journey. Totally. I think it's that time of year, too. I was thinking about that yesterday and, like, just kind of reflecting. Like, we're getting to that point where we're almost to the beginning of the year again. So it's just natural for us to kind of, like, reflect back, see how far we've come, and, like, go, like, shift our energy. Yeah. So I'm just going to put a manifesting something on air just right now. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Because whatever. If I say it out loud, we're going to send it to everybody else's ear holes. I'm looking for a home. For rent in Grants Pass, three bed, two bath, if we're being specific, a bathtub, two car garage, and a yard, $1,700 or under by February. It's happening. Okay. Also, if you know of this place, holla at your girl. Slide into her DMs. Or text her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think these new mics have really made you horny. <laughs> yeah, I think new so. sense of horniness. <laughs> They're very phallic. because <laughs> oh, you can talk like this too. <laughs> I cut out so much, so much moaning. <laughs> I'm not even like a quarter of the way done. Probably. <laughs> we'll leave one moan in this one. <laughs> okay, you got it. Yeah, so I feel like we everything's going great. I'm super fucking grateful for this episode or for this podcast and this episode. And I really hope that you enjoy our time with Jess today. She's yeah. such an amazing person. And I can't wait to watch her continue to grow too. I know. I, I wish her so much beautiful blessings and like I, I just loved her energy and how she's humbled and compassionate to herself and you know her situation and just and anyone else going through something similar it's it's a very vulnerable conversation it's a very important conversation Mm -hmm. and I know many listeners are going to be able to relate to this and can hopefully find solace in her story and you know continue to be inspired on your own journey knowing that other people have a similar experience. Yep. Uh, that's kind of what this is all about. Is that is what we're doing yeah. here. No matter what. The Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
so enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> so I'm going to start with our intention and grounding breath to get started today. So if you feel called to go ahead and close your eyes and let's just take three deep breaths to connect our energy, breathing in and releasing. And breathing in again. And release. And one last big breath in. And release any stresses, worries, or bullshit that's stuck with you today. And I'd like to call in our higher selves and our spirit team to be here with us today. Thank you for bringing our souls together on this day to be able to share and heal a little deeper today. Thank you for this opportunity to be vulnerable, an opportunity to connect with other amazing souls for our 10th episode. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Please be here with us today and help guide us in being open to whatever is needed to come through today for the collective and for ourselves and what is for the highest good for all involved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Jessica. (laughs) Thank you. Hi. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I am Jessica Funkhauser, a name that's really hard to forget. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you and talk to you. I know. I miss you. I miss you, I miss too. you so much. Yeah, All the time. So good to see your face. Um, so today our episode with Jess is same, same, but different. Very, um, it starts off very similar to everyone else where we talk about um, a childhood rooted in some type of organized religion. Um, But we want to kind of talk about, um, well, we want to go into her journey and then we want to talk about deconstructing and what that means and looks like. Because I think that especially in the last two or three years since like COVID, a lot of people are noticing that their values are not aligned with the society's definition of Christianity. And um, some people still feel like they are religious, but they're not Christian or whatever. So we want to kind of We want to hold space for everyone that's in that space, and I think Jess is going to help us understand that a little bit more because Amber and I kind of grew up religious, but not in the same way that Jess did, Mm -hmm. and so we want her to share what that's like then and now. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. I think it's really important and super needed and a place where other people are going to be able to relate. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much, Jess, for joining us and sharing with us and just being vulnerable. We're very, very grateful. 
So tell us, how did it all begin? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your story. Who are you? (laughs) Day one. (laughs) Um, Well, I was born in Klamath Falls, Oregon. So small town. Um, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, My parents, my father became a pastor when I was around the age of five. Um, Before then, we were still very much involved in the church. He did other things, but... Um, he became a pastor when I was around five. Um, and I remember that so like distinctly because I remember like thinking that my role has changed, even as like a five-year-old, of feeling <laughs> wow. like the responsibility of being like a pastoral family, um, which is which is quite crazy for being so young. Um, Are you the oldest? Yeah, I'm the oldest. I have two siblings. Um, we're each two years apart, so um, two years younger than four years younger. Yeah. So I don't know if they really remember that, but so their whole lives, I guess, um, they probably remember. But I remember that transition from like my parents becoming pastors mm-hmm. um, in a non-denominational, non-denominational church, I should say. What is that? Um, mm-hmm. It's like you don't have a denomination. I would probably like best equate it to like Pentecostal probably. Mm-hmm. Like we were like the jump up and down and speak in tongues. Oh, wow. Like people fainting and saved by oh, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fainting and vibrating wow. and all that. Yes. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about story. that. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. I have some fun stories. <laughs> In fact, I was telling my sister earlier today, I was telling her about, um, we're going to be talking about, and I was like, I am having a hard time figuring out like what is common knowledge for people and like what isn't. Because I will mm. tell stories on my childhood and people will stop me and be like, wait, what did you do? Or like, what yeah. did you believe? And realizing that it's as, not everybody's story. Yeah. yeah. As far as this podcast goes, come from it as we know absolutely yeah. nothing. Because I don't really know shit about yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, so non-denominational, which is like not Catholic. I would say, like I say, Pentecostal. Um mm-hmm. I... Also went to a private school, private Christian school. So my life was very much like in a bubble. Um, My only friends were from the church or from my school, a private Christian school. Um, I had no secular friends. I don't know if that is a popular word, but it was a thing Mm. like, oh, are your friends saved or are they secular? Like that was the lingo. Um, I was not allowed to have secular friends. Um, I remember when I would start like not saved. Yeah. Of the world. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I do want actually, I do want to preface all of this real quick with my parents. They're freaking amazing humans. They were Mm -hmm. then and they are now. And through all of this, I don't hold, I don't hold any resentment or even I hold more compassion because they raised me the same way that they were raised. And they raised me in a culture that where. Um, and how they were counseled to raise me. So yeah. I really don't pass a lot of blame to my parents. So while I may talk about what my parents said I could do or, you know, things that they did, mm-hmm. I really don't like not projecting any like ill feelings on them. So I do want totally. to talk And as someone that um, loves you and is in your life, they do not treat you as if like they're worried about your soul and you're yeah. going to hell because you have like – 
decided to live your life a little bit differently. Your parents still are very much like involved and like loving and kind and respect all of your boundaries. They're lovely. Yes. They've they've evolved a ton too. Like as we become, um, as me and my siblings have all started this um, journey, we've been able to have increasingly harder conversations and Um, there's been a lot of like a lot of change and progression that they've done, even within their own faith. Amazing. Like we'll talk about things that they did back then and they'll laugh at it, be like, Yeah, I don't know what we were thinking. So oh. there's been <laughs> Good. what a great place to be in. <laughs> yes, we we're all growing. Um <laughs> but I will say it's really, really hard and that I will commend my parents and even me for like being able to step out of the traditional ways of thinking. Totally. I I had to explain this to somebody the other day where the way I was raised, I would, I did not buy into a belief system. Like I would, Mm -hmm. I wasn't told something. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. That's my truth. I was Mm -hmm. indoctrinated. So like everything that I believed about life, um, about science, about history, about love was all through the lens of Christianity. So there's no separation of life. And this is how I believe in, in life, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like mm-hmm. my belief in my life in every way from my the very beginning. Um, and same with my parents. So it's yeah. really hard to separate. And so people who are able to do that, it's a lot of work. And yeah. um, that gives me chills. Same. same <laughs> Sitting here with chills. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're growing I, up, you can't listen to secular music. And I, or no. yeah, I'm sure that was part of it. You don't have secular friends. <laughs> Everything well, fact, is. I wanted to buy a Christian album. I remember going to the Bible bookstore because that's the only bookstore I could oh, go yeah. to. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted a CD, um, this was probably when I was a little bit older, where I could start printing things on the computer. I would have to print out all the lyrics from a Christian album to have my dad look over and him mm. approve whether I could buy it. Because even if they're a Christian artist, sometimes. Um, they have like they talk about a relationship, like a boyfriend girlfriend relationship, yeah. and I wasn't allowed to listen to that. Wow, oh, yeah, very much in a bubble. Um, I grew up until I think junior. I think it was junior, my first year of junior high. My parents. I don't remember why. I don't remember if I asked to or what happened, but they decided to put me in public school. But you can wow. imagine was like completely like an eye-opening culture experience. shock. Still in Klamath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in Klamath. Henley High School. Henley Junior High. Um my but the only reason why, I guess my cousins had gone on a couple years prior, had been going for like two years, and their souls were okay. So they were like, Well, I think I must have expressed interest because I think I made a case for it. And my family friends' children, a group of other five um kids. My parents and them all collectively decided to send us all into this junior high school because we would all have each other to kind of lean on and have mm-hmm. our own community within a secular world. Wow. Um, that probably that made it just, a little easier, too. It did. Um, it did and it didn't, actually, because I mm. feel like that was my first time, like, testing the waters of, like, what could I get away with your junior high? Like, you're yeah. like you're, what trouble can I get into? Even though I was a very good kid and the trouble that I would think is trouble is not. Um, <laughs> Our trouble was different. <laughs> I mean, like me having secular friends was me getting into trouble. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 
I made friends with these two girls and they made fun of me for being religious. They were Catholic actually, but they made fun of how religious I was. And I remember around that same time in youth group, it was around, I don't know if you guys ever heard about this, but it was the big, I forget her name. I think her name is Casey something. um, DC talk. Any of the Christian listeners out there will know exactly who I'm talking about. Did this thing called Jesus freaks. And it came after, um, a school shooting where the story goes that the shooter put a gun to a, a young girl and said, are you a follower of Jesus or are you a Christian or something? Mm. And if you are, I'm going to shoot you. And she said, yes. And then mm. that, and then, yeah, that happened. And so it was like blew up in the Christian world where it was like, wow. oh my God, this junior high girl died a martyr. And that was like when the big wave of like martyrdom came into junior high um realm like it was junior high and maybe Holy even elementary my body right now. That's heavy <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna cry yeah uh-huh no it was intense I mean to where we were being preached out of like I I think it, I think it was sixth grade um in junior high thinking we had this whole youth group service of if there's a gun to your head Will you die for Jesus? And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get ready because this could be happening. And like, telling about how that is the greatest honor. And I I remember sitting with that for a long time, being like, yeah, like, I I would. And I hope Mm -hmm. that one day I can be a martyr. I hoped for that. Sixth grade, really intense stuff. Yeah. Um, My whole body is just covered in chills nonstop. Same. My hair. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. All goosed. (laughs) It was a big thing. It was a big, like, thing in the whole, like, Christian realm. There was a devotional called Jesus Freaks, and it was all from, like, this incident that happened, which turns out, which I found out in my adult years, that story was all made up. So (gasps) that girl did die, but that that question was not asked. Wow. Uh The shooter did come and go in, like, with the mindset of shooting Christians, but it mm-hmm. was a question that was never asked. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's terrible that um, they just like use this terrible situation to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me so well, devotional. I'm not mad. shocked at all. No, I, I kind of figured that was the case. That's such bullshit. Yeah, and so terrible. No, like they made so much money on it. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really bad. Disgusting. Um. I feel like another part of like, so the two things that I was taught a lot about in my junior high years was the martyrdom to be ready for it. And so in that way, like when I was in junior high, being called different or being looked at differently felt like I was walking in my calling. Like I was like, Mm. okay, cool. I'm doing what needs to be done because people, I am being rejected by the world. And so I must be doing something right. Um, Wow. Yeah. Really weird, really weird way to look at the world. But that was, I mean, it was in my bones. I felt like I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. Jesus is with me. I'm going to go to heaven sort of And feel. you're not alone. Like there's so many people I'm sure that had that same experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of people. Wow. Um, and then the second like tier to that was like the purity culture that we were taught at that time. Mm-hmm. The, um, newly hormonal. I mm-hmm. remember um, junior high – it was that same year. I was not allowed to sit in on the sex ed class. 
So I got a note from my parents. They had to pull me out and put me in the library for the sex ed week. Mm-hmm. That's so, so dangerous. I learned about sex. Yeah. Yeah. I did not learn about sex from anybody but my mother. Uh-oh. What did well. your mom tell you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> told me that when two people love each other, it's a spiritual experience. And when two people love each other, they lay in bed naked and God helps them make a baby. And I remember oh, thinking. Did she tell you like, where to put it? There was nothing about P and B action. <laughs> I literally was just told. I remember thinking, like, "Oh my god! Like, what if like you're laying next to somebody you have clothes on? Can you accidentally make a baby? Like, if it's like a spiritual oh, thought?" Like, no. Yeah. Curtis's. I've been told that Curtis's grandma. Nobody gave her like the sex talk, and so she was told that you get pregnant by kissing. So oh. she did everything but kiss and got pregnant oh. when she was like really young because they told her it was from kissing. So she didn't think oh. having like sex. Made oh a baby. my god! He tried so hard. Yeah, that's, that's the problem hard. with that, with uh-huh. the purity culture and not telling people. I've also, have you guys seen yeah. the TikToks where the doctors talk about like new married couples come in and they're like trying to conceive and they can't figure out why they can't have a baby. And then like he's been put trying to put his wiener in his belly button. <gasps> And they're like, we can't get pregnant. And they're like, well, you have to do this. Oh, my God. And they're like adults that are like married. (gasps) But no one told them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now TikTok is going to pick up on that and show me that algorithm soon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Your phone is I'll send them to you. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember where I learned, I remember getting a $2 bill that had writing on it that said, I had sex with a cat and it purred. And I took it to my mom and I was like, what does this mean? (laughs) I know. I still remember this. Um, I took the, the, (laughs) she took the money from me, gave me a different $2 bill. And that's when I was determined to find out what sex meant. Um, I was really young. And so I remember like looking in the dictionary but it doesn't tell you like what to do. It just tells you mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I can't tell you how or when I actually learned about the mechanics Curious of sex. what the definition of sex is in the dictionary. I don't remember, <laughs> yes. but I remember not being very enlightening. <laughs> Taylor's on it. Oh I'm Googling it. <laughs> Google it. What is sex? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What does it say? Oh, please. It just says sexual relations or activity, especially sexual intercourse. Uh, young kids learning about sex, the genitals. Doesn't really say. It's very yeah, like I got yeah. down like the big Webster's dictionary that we had in our study and like <laughs> looked through it. Very sneakily. But back to junior high being pulled out of sex ed. And like were you the kid to- pulled out of other like so I remember there was a super religious girl in my school and well, we all made fun of her too. Um, but <laughs> we like watched Harry Potter yeah. in fourth grade and she was not allowed to sit in and watch Harry Potter. No. No. Oh no. Yeah. And like no. she wasn't allowed to listen to like 1077 was like the local pop station mm-hmm. and she was not allowed to listen to that. Yeah. My parents wrote to my school bus driver and told him not to play secular music. Wow. And did no. they? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's how intense it got, yeah. But for whatever reason, Klamath Falls school system was very tolerant of those things. Like he was like, oh, of course. And so he actually played 97-1, I think what it was, the Christian station. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Wow. Um, oh, I was let in on the last day of the sex ed class by thinking that it was over. And they were talking about oral sex. And I had no idea the concept of oral sex. And when they, she was like, and I think I came in the end of the class. She was talking about, she was now listen and remember that you can still get STDs when doing oral sex. And then I spent that entire weekend thinking, oh my God, if you talk about sex, you could get STDs. <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Oh no! Did you not you go to kids at school and be like, "Hey, what did you learn in class?" Or were you afraid to ask? <laughs> oh, I did not. No, I didn't ask. Okay, I because no. you didn't want the secular kids to know you were curious, because then right. they'd think you right. were less remember, like, like, godly. Excuses, yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember if they knew why, that I was pulled out. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It's very like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I remember kids getting pulled out, but I don't think we ever knew why. Like, I always thought it was more like maybe parents thought it was not appropriate yet or something like that. Like, I don't think I ever mm-hmm. knew it to be a religious reason uh, until oh, yeah. I was older. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah, they had I, a sex ed class in schools- <laughs> Yeah. Well, now they have a high school or um, daycare last month. Okay. Oh. So. Plot twist. There you go. Plot twist. <laughs> Maybe because they were all pulled out of sex ed class. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I thought kissing got you pregnant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't talk about sex with an STD. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I don't even know where to go from there. Okay. So, okay, so how about high school? What just was high keep school going, like, I guess. Okay. Okay. So junior high. Went through that. Um. Then I was told that I was going to be moving to St. Louis, and mm-hmm. um, I was it was my freshman year of high school. I was really like enjoying high school. I started to, like getting with like the skater kids, and I was like fully embodying my new emo ness. And <laughs> I was finally like I had a group of friends, guys. Like I was so excited. Um, I was starting to do bad things, and by bad things, I chewed tobacco for like two days. Just so Ew. disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank God I left that group St. of friends. St. Louis? Or this is before you left? Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I moved to St. Louis and I was so depressed. Like, I was so upset. I mean, you live somewhere your whole entire life and then you move somewhere. It's just trauma- you know, traumatizing. Mm-hmm. What high school did you um, go to? Because anyone that's listening from St. Louis will want to know. Yes, they will, because that's the next question. I went to another <laughs> Christian high school. Mm-hmm. It was literally called Christian high school. Oh. Um, I was so depressed. Like, I was so mad at my parents. I remember thinking that the only way that I could get back at my parents was to tell them that – this was on the drive out to St. Louis. I was like, the only way that to really get back to my parents is tell them that I don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a letter to them that I don't believe in Jesus. And I felt like I had committed the worst sin. I tore it up and never gave it to him. 
because I was like, wow. I can't say Did that. you really feel that way uh, at this point or you were just trying to hurt no. them from moving you? Okay. I think I was just trying to hurt them. I really, like I said, even though there was lots of times that I questioned um, like how things were done, even up to like probably five years, I still mm-hmm. like believed in like the basics and like the, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's really hard. I remember even being little and thinking, looking out the church window and across the street, there was a Catholic church and thinking like, how is it fair that I was born into the right religion? And that there's another girl my age looking out the Catholic window and they're going to hell. Like I thought that even somebody a different wow. religion was going to hell. Damn. Wow. So I question those things all the time while still believing. But I still, but I had those yeah. questions from a very young age. I mean, like, I don't understand how I'm the lucky one that I didn't grow up in Africa in the middle of nowhere, not knowing who Jesus is, but they're going to burn in hell. So that sucks. Yeah. It was terrible. So while I question a lot of things, it was like, well, that's just the way it is. And a lot of times you're not really praised for having questions. In fact, you're strongly Mm -hmm. discouraged from having questions that are Mm -hmm. like doubting or testing. Um, And like, you can have questions. That doesn't make sense to me. so frustrating like if if this was all knowing and all telling and like absolutely 100% true then don't you have answers for anything that someone might be inquisitive about no amber (laughs) (laughs) it's just like that right there is like exactly Exactly. yeah Mm -hmm. I mean it's just like a tall tale knowing that it's bullshit because they don't want you questioning anything and it's almost like the more you don't know is the more faith that you have to put out there. And that makes you more holy. Like the more that you don't right. know and understand, the more faith that you have to have. And the more faith you have, like the closer you are to God. So it's like almost works into it not to really know much or understand much. It's almost um, denying it's yourself the actual human experience. Mm-hmm. You're yes. like just – I don't even know how to really explain what my brain's thinking. But – yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I did a I did a soul reading with Celeste, mm-hmm. um, and she was telling me that she really strongly believes that in a lot of my past lives and most of my past lives that I have like done this spiritual exploration of wanting to know and embody like every way of like religious mm. thinking and experience from occult to Christianity to Hinduism to anything, and this was like the life that I've chosen to be like. Hey, actually, like I'm ready to just connect to my higher self, and so mm. oh, really life cool. feels again. It's <laughs> <That was> true. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I moved to St. Louis, went to a Christian high school. Super depressed. I was like, I had an eating disorder. I like literally just like stopped talking for a while. Um, I was just so unhappy, mm-hmm. and. That was the period that I started cutting at that time. Mm. And I here's the other part that's like I actually don't talk about this much openly, but I have recently. And so um well, I've recently started to dive into the whys. When I started cutting and the eating disorder, it was very much my way of wanting to have a testimony. So a big part of being in the church is like you have guest speakers coming in all the time of like, oh my God, I was on drugs. I was addicted to this and I slept around, but then I found Jesus and this is my redemption story. And the church just goes freaking wild for it. Like, wow, this is so cool. 
And I felt like such an imposter that I was just born into this. Like, I don't have a redemption story. And so I remember like, while I was very depressed for real, I remember having thoughts of like, well, one day this will be my testimony. So let's just lean into this. Let me feel my feels, which in one way, I'm glad to let me feel my feels and go through that because I was was really a dark time. But um, I had the intent of one day this will be my testimony. Um, And then Amber's crying. Yeah. And I started. (laughs) I, I, that was before I I know I, I have to I've cried for her so much less I've been going through a lot of this last couple of weeks so really I think knowing that this is coming up I've been doing a lot of like digesting and like mm. really thinking and processing so um, proud of you. I thank you thank you for giving me this space it's really healing too yeah. thank you for being vulnerable um, I love you guys I love you when I so towards the end my parents wanted to me to go see a counselor and get on um, meds. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting angry at that point. So I went from like, okay, this will be my testimony to like feeling kind of angry that realizing that it's almost time to transition to here's my redemption story. But I'm still so deep and dark in that space that I was like, no, this is so real that I'm feeling like I don't want this to just like be written off as like my testimony and never like talk about this again. I mean, at that time, that was mental health wasn't really talked about as much mm-hmm, as it is right. now. And I remember thinking like Especially this is such a real community, I'm sure. Oh no, yeah, not at all. Unless like, like I said, it's your testimony. It's like God saving mm. you. But I like I don't know. I remember like dreading getting better because I thought that it would just like negate the fact that I walked through a really dark time. Um, so I ended up seeing a Christian counselor. Um, I was very aware that she was talking to my mom about whatever we talked about, mm-hmm. which I don't know about HIPAA, but I guess if you're underage and that's what it is. So I didn't really talk much to her and I immediately went on Zoloft and it definitely did help. I think that meds are an incredible tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have – okay, so I started taking Zoloft when I was 15. And I think I stopped when I was 18. Um, from those ages, I don't have a ton of memories. Mm-hmm. And I never really took the correlation until – I did um, mushrooms a couple months ago. And you did finally. I did. I did. You told me about this. Oh, you, oh, so you did. You uh, did. You did it with your brother. You told me. You texted me as soon as you yeah, ate them. You said, "I did mushrooms." <laughs> I'm like, it's coming back to me. Oh. Um, I had this revelation. I was on mushrooms. I was looking at the stars, and I was just like. I just had this big revelation and I was like, oh my God, I don't remember anything because I was on Zoloft. And mm-hmm. then I like dived into it and I was like, well, that's actually really, um, it's a rare, but a common or like a known side effect of Zoloft is like mm-hmm. memory loss. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember hardly anything. Like I remember like big events or like things I have pictures for or family yeah. stories for, but I don't really have my own memories of those wow. years um, largely. Which was so weird that like came out that time. I literally wasn't even thinking about it. Or I think I was with my I cousin also, and my brother. Yeah, I also don't remember a lot of um 
high school, I was taking more like Adderall, not Adderall, but like ADD medication. But I also feel like it was just like a really traumatic time. And like, I just blocked that shit out too. Mm -hmm. Just high school is fucking rough. High school is hard. Yeah. And fun, but also hard. (laughs) (laughs) I actually left. Okay. So I went to Christian high school for my freshman year. Mm-hmm. maybe half my sophomore I think and then I was like I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to go to school oh let's talk about this my school experience in a Christian high school um mm-hmm. like I said I was very depressed I wasn't talking my mom um ex- like told the count the school counselor like Jess is going through a hard time and my cousin picked up because my cousin was living with us in St. Louis and he picked up on the fact that um, he, on my eating disorder, like he has told my mom, like, I think this is what's happening. And so, which one way I'm like, I'm thank you, cousin, for looking out for me. But were I just felt very restricting or binging. What? Or were you restricting or were you oh. binging? I was throwing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so my mom told the school counselor, which, as a parent, I think I'd have done the same thing. I've been like so mm-hmm. concerned, like please watch out for my daughter. I'm so scared or whatever. I can only imagine like what it was like for my mom, like me going from like this happy, fun daughter to like so freaking sad, and yeah. um, just going through. You know, my mom was going through a transition too of like moving to this new place. It was a culture shock for her too. Mm-hmm. We're all going through it, and then she didn't watch her children. My brother had a hell of a hard time too. Um, so it wasn't just me, but. Um, they told the, the counselor. And so the counselor, well, I'm trying to make friends. Well, I wasn't trying, but I should have been trying. Um, would sit with me at lunch every single day. Oh. And traumatizing. And just to make sure that I ate. And then she'd have me sit there for a good 30 minutes after so I wouldn't go to the bathroom. Um, wow. And then that didn't last very long. I don't know how long that lasted for. But then um, – I remember sitting with this this boy. He was so nice. He invited me to come sit with him. And I just, like, loved his soul. I was like, he's – I didn't be- really believe this at the time. But I was like, oh, he's so gay. Like, I, like, just knew Aww. it. And he was just, like, such a warm heart. He, spoiler, he ended up marrying a woman and then later divorcing. And now he's in a relationship with a guy. I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> Living his true self. Yeah. Um, so I used to eat with him and his friend at lunch, and I got approached by the school counselor because I was eating a banana, and I was not cutting it and putting it in my mouth. I was eating a banana. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's not allowed? And I never, nope, not allowed. If you're a girl, you have to cut the banana and eat it in pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're still at a Christian high school, correct? Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes a little more sense, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah a little more Sexualizing yeah. your food. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't Absolutely. make sense, but I understand yeah. now. <laughs> I was sitting with boys at a Christian school, eating a banana in public. Like, oh, my God. Oh, um, <laughs> You might get pregnant or an STD. You better be careful. <laughs> Don't talk about it. So, I... And then another day, this is like in my first couple of weeks, 
I got pulled aside by the counselor because my bra strap was showing. And I was like, and mind you, I was so (laughs) self-conscious of my body. I was wearing like a full like tunic shirt with long sleeves and my bra strap was showing. And so she took me in and she grabbed a, um, like a safety pin and like pinned it there. And halfway through the day, she could still see it. And so she grabbed a extra, extra large white t-shirt and put it over my clothes. And I had to wear that in high school oh while not having God. any friends. And to go to school oh because my bra straps were showing. Yeah. Purity culture yeah. is so fun. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm done with this. I don't want to be here. Um, I want to be homeschooled. I had been homeschooled, um, a couple years, my elementary school, and I went back and forth between private school and homeschool. So I was like, mom, I like, pull me out. I'll do homeschool. I want to work. And so mm-hmm. I got pulled out and my mom homeschooled me and I became a nanny and did a bunch of other small jobs and, ended up there was a huge homeschool group at my church and so I used to hang out with all the other homeschoolers and we created like our own little community I do remember that being a very pleasant positive time Mm -hmm. um but we would go I mean I literally lived in church my entire life from my dad being a pastor to spending every waking moment in the church playing to now I'm in high school literally spending every single day at the church too I was a worship leader and um I volunteered. Like I literally spent every waking moment at the church. Um, and then I decided I like had my first relationship when I turned 18 and. Is that like when was, you were allowed to? It was when I was allowed to date him because he was like five years older than I was. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Day I turned 18 and then I ended up expressing interest in wanting to go to Bible college in Redding, California. And so we broke up when I was 19 and I was so heartbroken. I didn't want to break up. Um, He broke up with me. I was so heartbroken. So I moved to Medford, Oregon first for the summer. My uncle has the plumbing company there. And so I went and worked in Medford for the summer. And that was my first time being naughty <laughs> but you know, I, I felt so, like such a bad kid I was drinking and going to parties I was 19 years old going to high school parties like I was Aww. so behind so delayed yeah um and I a crazy summer and then I went to Bible college where I literally was in a cult um And I would go to school Monday through Thursday. And then I would drive down to Sacramento Friday through Sunday and party with my lesbian friends, which was like, oh, my God, just (laughs) two different worlds. Um, I those were the years of like that I started to really, really question. Um, Not my belief, but like where. Like, how is my belief supposed to be lived out? And so while, I, like I said, like, I still believe, like, the foundations of my belief system, I was like, I don't know, like, that that the church is doing it right. And so I really struggled with um, being a Christian. And so that's when I, like, really, like, embodied my, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, or I'm not a Christian, I'm religious. That's what it was, or something like that. While you were still in uh, Bible college, you decided this? Um, that's when I, that's when probably the questioning started. And then as I like was hanging out with like a 
I was in Bible college and hanging out with a very like different group. That's kind of what I would tell them. It's like, mm. yes, yes, I go to Bible college, but I'm not like them. Like I'm cool. Like mm-hmm. it's fine. I'm not judging you guys. Um, but our real quick story about the Bible college. We're all adults. There were people from all over the world. It's a huge Bible college in Reading. Like people come from literally all ends of the world, um, thousands of people. And we had one day it was a purity week, and they did this whole prayer for the women there that were not virgins, and they prayed for our hymens to grow back. Oh my God! Were you a virgin? Thousands. No. I wasn't. You left um, that part of the story out, man. You learned how to do sex. <laughs> I, I had sex in Sacramento on one of those weekends. So not it was with newly, not with no boyfriend. No. You had no. sex, but not with a lesbian either. No, because no. you're hanging out with the lesbians. <laughs> okay, so just a random <laughs> person that you never talked to again. He was like a friend that we'd hang out with. And I ended up sleeping with him and, like, having, like, a short, like, situationship. How did you feel um, about that and after? So fucking guilty. Oh, sorry. Can we say the yeah. F word? Oh, oh, we're talking about drugs and sex. You can say the F word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we I love the kids F-word. on this. Um, <laughs> kids, turn it off. <laughs> kids, okay, kids, this is the part where you need to stop. Oh, yeah, I kind of just rushed by that. That's probably a really important part of my story. That's a super was, important part, ma'am. <laughs> I was so heartbroken by my relationship. And he immediately, like, the day that I moved was dating somebody else. And so – and I had wanted to have sex with him, the guy who was only show for a year. And he refused to – like, he, like, did not want to take my virginity. And so – Was he when, religious as well? Yeah, super religious. Was he a virgin? He had sex, like, Okay. He had sex like one time in high school and okay. the girl that he had sex with cried. I think like it traumatized him that he was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that with you. Um, and so when I moved, he had started immediately dating somebody else who was not a Christian. And so I was like, oh, they're definitely having sex. And I was mm-hmm. like, like mad, angry. And mm-hmm. so I had made up in my head that I'm going to have sex with somebody this year mm-hmm. and I don't care who it is. Um and so that's exactly what happened. Like I just had sex with somebody. Um mm-hmm. but the night that it happened, I was so drunk. That was the only way that I could do is if I was just like mm-hmm. blackout drunk. And I woke up the next morning, like, oh my God, I can't even tell you like just the shame that I felt. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I tried really hard not to feel it. Like I wanted to feel empowered, but I felt mm-hmm. so shameful. And my mom texted me um, the next morning or called me. I don't remember what it was. She goes, hey, is everything okay? Mom's like, well, hey, mom's intuition. They know. And, <laughs> and I was like, like yes and she knew that I was going down to Sacramento and she was very I never told her we were drinking but and all that stuff so I think but she's you know she's a mom she knows Mm -hmm. um and she's like your aunt Dawn and I were up at 3 a.m praying for you and that was around the time that I had sex whoa that's weird okay that is what I was gonna say (laughs) 
very witchy, which <laughs> I will say this a little bit later where I've started to draw in so much of like my spirituality now, realizing yeah. that I've already practiced a ton of that. Yes. And it's all the oh, same yeah. thing. So yeah. different. Yes. Um, and yeah. And then I just remember being like, oh my God, God is so mad at me. Like he told my aunt and my mom. Oh, <laughs> like, Did you think you were going to hell? No, you because thought you had to repent. testimonies all the time. I was like, this mm. is just a part of my testimony. Like, that's cool. Well, and so still I'm really writing like, your testimonial. Yes, I'm still writing my book here. <laughs> this is like how I almost went to hell and I came back. Oh, uh, no. Oh, but that's legit. Like, the, the, the thoughts in my mind. I'm like, it's okay. Yeah, like, no. And I'm sure so many people, like... Yes. have very similar feelings like even just being partially raised catholic like same thing losing my virginity my boyfriend didn't even remember doing it and then like i was like but you know how important that is to me i was saving myself like same thing like you know we, right. we went to like a chastity rally and we all got our rings and we promised to be virgins so we got married like i you know i did that too and like feeling the guilt and the shame of like, great. Now I've just wasted that part of me, but yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, it's just, it like my expressions aren't like of judgment to you of doing that. It's just like, what is put on you and your heart uh, by the church to make you even feel that way in the first place. It's like, God damn it. Yeah. Oh, it's a heavy feeling. Yeah. Um, it's virginity. The concept of virginity is so stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many of my Christian friends would have anal sex to keep their virginity. Oh, yeah. See, in my mind, I'm like, that is seventh base. <laughs> <laughs> that is way past virginity. Yeah, that is like the next level. Yeah, but you get yeah. convinced like crazy. Yeah. Or the boyfriends are like, convince you it's not sex or whatever, too. You know? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't count if it's in the butt. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. So crazy. Um, so okay, I was so newly not shameful, a shameful. Yes. Mom and uh-huh. aunt knew. Mom and aunt knew. I had sex like a few more times with him, but then it was like done. And I was like, really, like, I kept like really trying to come go back to my faith, you know? Um, and that's like when the purity week happened. And I was, I mean, when you're in a bubble, everything makes sense. And then when you're out of it, you're like, what the fuck? But like in it, I was like, yes, God, grow my hymen back. Nice. I and he told us that we um that we were no longer that we were now virgins again and that we never had to disclose our sexual history with anybody. Happen. Um No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, first of all, where's the prayer for the men? Like yeah, no, as soon as you said, like, mm-hmm. for the women, yes. I was like, okay, what about the dudes? They just get to go yeah. and do whatever they want? Mm-hmm. And like, do they talk about that at all? And about all of our hymens? Like, gross. <laughs> <laughs> for real. <laughs> for real. Oh, it really God. bothers me now. It really, like, I think about that and I get, like, rage. I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were told to like confess to somebody that like we, mm. that we knew we needed to, and I knew that it was my parents. So Great. I wrote a letter to my parents telling them that I had sex. Um, and 
It was such an emotional thing. And I was like, looking back, I'm so, I'm still so mad at this. I'm like, that was another business. And my virginity was never, oh, I got a ring from my dad when I was like 13. That was like a promise mm-hmm. ring. And I had to mm-hmm. sign a contract saying that I would save myself for marriage. Even I remember going into the bathroom and thinking to myself, at least this isn't legally binding. I knew that I was not You're going 13? to wait Yes, I knew. Damn. For whatever reason, I was like, at least this is not legally binding because I Were you masturbating at this time? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. From a very young age, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was that bad? Well. Yes. It was very bad. Actually, this is actually a really good story. My, my told my mom about it when I was very young because I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that yeah. it felt good. Yeah. And so like I had I was very close to my mom. I've always been. And I told my mom about it. And of course she was like, oh no, like that's wrong. Like um I still was confused by like why it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that I felt shame when I did it. And so um she's like, okay, well tell me if it ever happens again and we'll pray about it. And so that actually happened a few times. Like, what do I pray about it? Fast forward to like two years ago. My mom has been in therapy, um, which Go so mom. proud of them. Yeah, go mom. And um, she, we had a conversation where a very like tearful, my mom's not a very emotional person, but like a very tearful conversation of her apologizing for putting that shame on me and my body. Oh, and wow. she was like, I grew up with that shame and I put that on you. And that was, you were doing oh. nothing wrong. And we had this huge mm-hmm. redemptive like moment. Oh, and- I'm so grateful that you had yeah. that moment. Wow. And just realizing that, like, it made me sad. I was like, this was, like, this is how she was brought up, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I really find my compassion for them. And, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you told me about that. Yeah. Beautiful. No. So um, writing this letter to your family, I lost my virginity, I've had sex. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just another way to make you feel shame. Mm-hmm. Yes, Totally. And like it's so terrible. <laughs> How did they react? Tears. And I love They're you. Sad. You know, they're like, I love you. And um, thank you for telling it. Like again, my parents are awesome. There was there was no like can't believe you did that. Um, Do you know if they had premarital sex? Oh no. They, no way. Okay. They no didn't way. kiss until after they were engaged. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, you know what, they have the, like, the most beautiful love story and marriage ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they have, a, when I was being raised, I was told that that was probably, that that was a huge part of why they have a great marriage is because they waited. And so I always thought mm-hmm. that I didn't wait, that I'd have a terrible marriage. But mm-hmm. I see people wait all the time and have shitty marriages. So yep. yeah. that myth was debunked. Um, yeah. They just happened to be one of the fortunate ones who that yeah, actually no. worked And they worked for. really hard. Like, they yeah. work so hard in the relationship, and that's why it's amazing. Yeah, They both exactly. work hard for it. Um, so, with the letter, all that fun stuff, I end up getting back together with my ex. Um, the first Taylor. boyfriend who broke mm-hmm. up with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when I moved back to St. Louis. So, I finished Bible college, got back together with him, moved back to St. Louis. Um, and I became a um, worship leader for another church. And... Still living out like the Christian lifestyle and everything, but kind of not and sleeping with my boyfriend. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was very much like a secular world and like, and also like, I'm not a virgin now. <laughs> 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 we do this now. 
She Wait, was uh, a virgin again. Though. Oh yeah. She, oh, oh yeah. That's you right. prayed your hymen back. <laughs> um, Wait, did you graduate Bible school then? Like you completed it and okay. I graduated the whole thing. It was, I graduated by kneeling in front of this man, the pastor, and him putting a sword on each of my shoulders. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yes, does, it, does it come with a diploma too? <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere. In fact, I found it a couple months ago and I literally just look at you. Gross. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Part of your story. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I love your story. It's it's such a yeah roller coaster. I moved back to St. Louis, and I th- then I ended up. How long did I live there for? Um, I moved back when I was like twenty one, and then I think I moved away when I was like twenty four, and had dated my boyfriend. <clears throat> we broke up, and then we're kind of like on and off again, and then I finally just moved my butt to Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. and that's when my real deconstruction started. Um, mm-hmm. While I had always, quite, like I said, I've always questioned, like, how is this actually supposed to be lived out? I never really questioned, like, the validity of the truth that I was taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I moved to Portland. I was a nanny. And I decided that I really, like, I'm a very um, – I love humanitarian work. Like, and that's always mm-hmm. been a big passion of mine. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the church doing volunteer work and stuff. And so it's always been a big part of who I am. And I was like, oh, I want to go to school for, like, social justice and do something crazy. Hell, yeah. Um, be a missionary or something. Like I still was like very much along those lines. And so I was like, well, let me just get my prereqs out of the way at Portland Community College. Um, and I picked a class. This was a very defining moment in my life. Picked a class and I forget what it was called, something about like religious debate or something. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to like um, redeem my faith. Because um, I've been living a very secular lifestyle, doing all the things I knew I shouldn't be doing. And I was like, I really just need to come back. <laughs> that class was really. not what you thought it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was like, this is- I'm going to be able to debate them back to God and it's going to like solidify what I believe. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> I said it cracked you open. <laughs> it did. There was one night, I can't even, like, tell you what it was about, but it was after that class. It was an evening class, and I left that classroom bawling my fucking eyes out. Like, Mm. I – world-crashing moment. Like, I don't know. Think about one day somebody telling you, like, gravity doesn't exist. And you're like, wait, Mm -hmm. no. No, that's not Mm -hmm. true because I've been told my entire life it is, and everything – my existence on this planet is because of gravity. Like Mm – like mind blowing. I don't remember what was said, but I I had the revelation that there were different truths for everybody, and that everybody had a different truth, mm-hmm. and no truth is more truth than the other truths. And like, yes. <laughs> I called my mom and dad. I remember pulling into my driveway, bawling, bawling my eyes out, and getting so mad at them. I was like, "Did you guys know this? Like, are you <laughs> this for me? Like." Did you know that there were other truths out there and that like, uh, like, I don't know, like it was such a simple concept, but had never like really, like, I don't know. It was really hard to wrap my mind around until the moment. And I was like, I, in that moment I saw God as like the top of the pyramid and all different sides of the pyramid being all different, like Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Mm -hmm. 
secularism, whatever. I was like, we're all in the same fucking pyramid looking at the same God. They just yeah. have different mm-hmm. names and we're looking at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. That was that moment that I was mind-blowing, crying, bawling my eyes out. And my dad was like, literally said, and this is why you don't go to a liberal college. Yeah, I knew they <gasps> okay. were going to say that. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And I just said in that moment to them, I was like, listen, mom, dad, I am now officially on a journey. And, and if this truth that I believed is truth is true, then my exploration will bring me right back there. And yeah. so... I, it was a very pivotal moment in my life. I literally told them, I'm now going to, I need to explore this, but I hope that it will bring me back to the original truth. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it will. Okay, we're here for this. And so that was like the moment that I would like open myself up to just like exploring. And so- How old were you? I ended up getting um, 24. Okay. 23. 23 or 24. I don't remember. Okay. Um, I started to, oh, so I ended up getting, um, going to school for global studies and I did heavy emphasis on religions. So I literally studied every religion from Old Testament scripts to Hinduism, to Buddhism. Like I literally just like took every religion class because world, I mean, world studies is kind of a bullshit degree. You get to study whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, like, it really just opened my eyes and, like, um, scared the hell out of me. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Um, Yeah, that was a year's year's journey. And then I ended up moving to D.C. for a while. And then I ended up moving to Mm -hmm. Haiti. Mm -hmm. And I finished my bachelor uh, my last year or my last two years. I ended up finishing it while I was living in Haiti and because I wanted to do my thesis on um, voodoo. I was very intrigued by voodoo, um, specifically voodoo. I ended up not writing my thesis on that, but I got to really explore it while I was there and it was really cool. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing my thesis on um, uh, American aid or aid to foreign countries. Anyways, I digress. Um, and so just exploring all that was, like, just so powerful and really just opened my world of, like, true acceptance of people and true love yeah. for people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was raised Christian where, like, love was, like, the foundation or it was supposed to be the foundation. And I never loved somebody so freely and judgment-free and non-conditionally until I left the church. Yeah. Um, just take a moment. We got to clap. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Like, yeah. holy... So many chills today. shit, yeah. Just it, wow. Yeah. It's... That's probably, like, the most frustrating part for me of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that says it all. As a, that was probably just, like, one of the most frustrating realizing that, like... Because that's the hypocrisy. <laughs> that's the contradicting yeah. things. That's our beef with organized mm-hmm. religion is, like suppression and um judgment Mm -hmm. and all of that shit i think that that i don't think i would give a shit what anybody does but they're like harming people yeah Yeah. in the name of goodness and i think that that is fucked up absolutely and just from speaking with you like a lot of these people don't realize it Mm -hmm. they have this like maybe not even like i'm better than you but 
maybe without thinking that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, they're yeah, being brainwashed. Like, yeah, like you're indoctrinated, you're brainwashed. And I like even yeah. like putting like my old shoes on, my Christian shoes on. Like I thought I loved people, but I loved yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, come as you are, totally. Yeah. But come as you are so I can change you and not yeah. so I can accept yeah. So it's like, I really thought that I loved people because I would love them where they were mm-hmm. with with the expectations that they would then change. You could save them. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, it took years for me to like, even like, have strongly raised that like, like gay like, people aren't gay. You're not born gay. Trans, like I don't even understand trans life. And so even like moving away from like Christianity, that was still really hard for me to wrap my mind around. Mm-hmm. For the first time, I was like, I don't have to understand this to love them and be okay with it. Like they don't even need my permission. So why do I feel like I have yes. to give them people? And that's the biggest yes. like beef I have with a lot of um, Christians and people I'm still close friends with. Is like they're like, well, yeah, well, well, I just don't agree and I I don't approve of that lifestyle. Cool. No one's asking you. Like, yeah, no, yeah. One's not your really business. not your business. <laughs> no, none, none of your business. Like, you can still love that person or treat them like a human being because they yeah, don't. Need they you. are. They're fucking humans, yes. and exactly. it, it doesn't. How is it affecting you? How the fuck yeah. is it affecting you? And show me in your fucking Bible where it says that God mm-hmm. says this is illegal because it's bullshit. Yeah. And so many things like Bible verses that they use are so out of context. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a yeah, whole exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think that like, and I have like, I don't know if the word is like compassion, but I understand a little bit of even me leaving the church and actively trying to understand these new concepts that I was not okay with when I was a Christian. Um, it took me a lot of hard work of like sitting with somebody different than me and just being like, tell me your story. Like, mm. I want to understand you because I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't need to, but if you were give me this space, I really want to. And it took me actually doing that. And I'm in years of doing that to finally understand, have compassion and love and be like, oh my God, they're so dope. To my friends that are still in the Christian world, like they're not even trying. So like, I understand mm-hmm. why it's so wrong in their mind because they're not even trying like there's no attempt to understand that, that it's like so far off that they, I, I understand why it's yeah. such like a pull. Like, no, it's wrong because they're not even trying to understand. And yeah, I think we years. bonded over that just being like, yeah. I mean, we're both from St. Louis. And we're like, cool. And then after that, it was just like very, very different, but like, yeah kind stuck kind of the same you know what I mean like couldn't be more different couldn't have been raised more different but just like still had a common understanding I don't know just a lot of love yeah. and like connected, no, like quickly yeah. connected you know I, I yeah I think that I feel like you've been a huge part of even my spiritual journey of mm. like opening the world of like you were the first person I could talk to about spirituality that wasn't like Christianity And so exploring my spirituality was really hard to talk to anybody else about. And so you were like the first person in my circle that could be like, oh, my God, like you get it. Like you're spiritual, too, but you're not like you're not you're not a Christian. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I I lived in Haiti for a while and then um, 
got pregnant with my favorite tiny human. Yes, got pregnant and was like, I never, I think I knew I wanted to be a mom eventually, but I never saw myself. I don't know. I was like, one day I might get married and we'll probably have a kid, but I never was like, oh my God, I want to be a mom. And so when I was pregnant, I had to like really um, figure out like what this looks like. And I was living very much like a, a traveling lifestyle. I didn't live anywhere for more than two years. I moved around a ton and experienced a lot like to travel and was very spontaneous. And so having a baby was going to be very life-changing as it usually is. But I knew the moment I was pregnant, um, I, my well, the initial moment, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going back to the States to get an abortion. Like I cannot be pregnant. This is not the plan. And I sat with it for a second and I just like knew that I had to have this baby. And um, back to my soul reading with Celeste, she was like, you and Amara have lived so yeah. many lives together. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about Amara's story <sighs> that just like screams, doesn't make sense, but like you had to be yeah. here. Um, oh my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I know. Like I literally her. it was, she's yeah, I love her so much. I mean, I don't know if it's just like a normal mom love, but I feel so connected to her that I was like, I, I love you so much. Like, I, I know you. And there's like that moment too, like when you have your kid. And I know that not everybody has this experience. But like when I looked at her the first time, it was like, I know you. Like it was just such a weird, a weird moment where I know this person and she's my person. Um, and I just – that has just only grown the more I get to know her. I watch her constantly. I'm just like – oh my God, you're just like a little human. And Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I know you. I love you. I'm so, like, I love our life together. Um, So I moved back to Medford when I was pregnant. Not my first choice. Um, I met you while you were pregnant. You did. You did my hair. Mm -hmm. You've seen me through my black hair, blonde, everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Um, And I found out that I was going to be a single mother and that was probably like the most like scariest mode of my life. The moment that I like realized that I like sat there and bawled and I was like, I don't want to be that mom that, well, one, I didn't want to live with the shame from my family. And I knew that my family was so loving. And so like when, I mean, when I outwardly judge, but I had sex out of marriage. I lived a lifestyle that was not what they believed in. And then I was just like, they're probably thinking this is what happens when you live in sin. Mm-hmm. This is like what I deserved. And I didn't carry that identity, but knowing that they could have, that they were probably thinking that for me was really, really traumatizing. Um, scarier than the fact that I knew I'd have to be a single mom. Yeah. Um, wow. And not, like I said, not because I was scared of what they were going to say to my face, but because I knew what they believed. Mm-hmm. And there were things that were said in like moments, um, uh, maybe like on accident or, you know, when you believe things so deeply, things come up that you say yeah. that you maybe didn't want to say to that person. And so have stuff like that has been said where it like hits me. I'm like, oh, ouch. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was even more humbling because I was terrified of being a mom. And so I was living with my parents 
for um, the first year after I had Amara. Are they back um, here in Medford then? They were in Medford. They're in Texas okay. now. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I lived with them and it was, like I said, very humbling, but also so thankful for that. Um, I had her in October of 2019 and then COVID happened. Um, wow. But I had that moment of like, okay, I'm not going to be a struggling single mother. Like that's, I refuse for that to be my identity. And I don't even, I, I, I even hated, I've come to terms with it now, but I hated the word single mom. I'm like, I am a whole mom. Like there's nothing fractioned about me. We're a family. This is what it is. Yeah. I really, I was really intentional when I I first started. I was like, I'm, I'm a whole mom. It's all good. Um, so I decided in December that, oh, because before I had my baby, I needed my my badge waxed. And there's like not a lot of options in Medford mm-hmm. or not a lot of options that I found at that time. And um, so I was like, my wheels were turning. And I was like, well, maybe because I'm an esthetician. I was like, I'll open like a small room and wax and that will be my business. And then that way I can care for Mar and have my own schedule. And it was just like really scary. I'd never opened a business before. Um, my license was in Missouri and I needed, I let it lapse. So I needed to do the easiest way around was to travel to Missouri, do my board exam all over again, and then come to Oregon and do the written exam. So I did that all in February and then COVID hit and couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and then opened my business in June Mm -hmm. and it went really, really well. In 2020. uh, Yeah. Wow. People need waxed, even uh, yeah. <laughs> even, even when if you're on the couch at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I'm just so thankful for like that time. I think I took a big risk by opening in 2020. But totally. the sad part was is that a lot of businesses shut down. Yeah, which was devastating. But then it like did leave room for me to open. Um, and probably mm-hmm. cheaper yeah, too. Yeah, well, like the biggest wax place in Medford mm-hmm. shut down. And so like everybody started going to dress. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, that happened over the last year and a half. So that was really huge too. And then, um, yeah. That's so, kind of my story. Um, what? Oh, okay. So I'm sure that being like a mom has mm-hmm. played a big part in your spiritual journey. And we have wanted to talk to moms and we yeah. like really are going to interview a few more people to just about motherhood. Um, yeah. But like, how has that played a role in your spiritual journey now? And I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't talked to you like as much as we usually caught up in months. And so like, where are you at now? And like, how has that changed in the last three years and also yeah. since you started working with Celeste too? Yeah, Celeste is amazing. Um, she has been a really pivotal point in my a spiritual journey. When I first started seeing her in Medford, I kind of came to her. And this has been like – this has been what I've been working on my spiritual life for the last probably year. Mm-hmm. Of like knowing that I'm still a spiritual person – but trying to separate the trauma that I have from being in the church 
mm-hmm. to like figuring what my spirituality actually looks like because it looks a lot like the same sometimes and it can be really mm-hmm. hard yeah. for me. Um, like little things like I love meditating and, and like saying a quick prayer to spirit guides, but that really triggers me sometimes because I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I feel like I'm praying to God. We used to pray before meals or stuff like that. And it's like, no, no, no. But this like, I have conflicted moments like this yeah. feels right. I'm in the moment. And then I have like a, you know, intrusive thought and I'm like, wait, am I stuck back in where I was? So it's mm-hmm. very confusing sometimes. But what I have found in the last probably six months is a lot of healing in that way of being like, I, I've been the spiritual being the entire time mm-hmm. and I've been a manifester. I've been all of that through prayer. And I feel really empowered that I've already been doing that entire life and I can still continue to do that, but without all the trauma that comes from being in the church. And so just finding that new identity has been really great and being okay with, because a lot of people in the spiritual community still, you know, talk about the universe as God or like say prayers. And I am learning to be okay in finding new meanings in the word like prayers and God. Mm -hmm. And even learning how to associate those words in my own life instead of being so triggered by them. So. Right. Yeah. I feel like that really takes a long time uh, for anyone who's grown up in the church. Like, I feel like I really used to, I was like, God who, you know, and now like through all of my years and like, I do believe in a higher power. I don't, personally call it God but when my mom and I have conversations and she talks about God like we're kind of getting this point where like she can sometimes talk to me in languages that I'm going to understand you know I know what she's talking about she's talking about God and stuff but if she's Mm -hmm. trying to get me to do something then she will on occasion not always but on occasion will say universe to me or Mm. something like that where I'm just like that helps me soften because I know like her messaging Mm. whatever she's trying to tell me or give me advice on or like you know she asked me to pray for her it's like or or good vibes or whatever you know she does try sometimes Mm. to soften that because there is that like your armor goes up sometimes like well, don't tell me God or prayer or, you know, it's just like that reaction. Well, I think even coming from not a super religious background, those words can kind of give you the ick. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. like I'm working on, I even like had a hard time calling myself spiritual, even Mm -hmm. though I've been Mm -hmm. like out here manifesting and like i would say praying to the universe Mm -hmm. for you know the past 15 years Mm -hmm. but i just didn't like the verbiage and the terminology because i don't want to be looked at as like someone that is yeah i just i've never (laughs) felt that way so i'm like totally don't call it that but i think that just in the last six months of doing this um it is a prayer like it does feel like you setting intentions yeah it is yeah those things um and the universe does feel like my god Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. whatever we even had like when we first released our very first episode you know and we do we do the grounding breath at the beginning and like it's something that i've recently adopted like in the past maybe year just doing 
the services that I offer. And we had a friend like message asking if I was like from Mm -hmm. a church or whatever, just because it felt (laughs) like it it triggered this person who grew Mm -hmm. up in, you know, with a religious background Mm -hmm. um, just by having an opening and like, you know, basically praying, but like we're setting intentions and taking breath and like connecting our energy. And that is how I'm viewing it when I'm doing it. I'm not doing it as like, okay, everyone hold hands and (laughs) like whatever, you know, it's not like that to me. That's not what I'm doing. We can hold hands. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't doesn't feel that way to me, but like, it is so interesting because we like everybody, is raised differently in the world and we all do have our own triggers and things that it may remind us. And yeah, when you are like still a spiritual person, you're just not claiming to be any specific religion or, you know, going Mm -hmm. to church and, you know, you're just changing what that looks like for you. It can be triggering and hard to decipher like, okay, well, what is this to me? And because it really is a lot of the same stuff. We're just yeah. not like, yeah. here's our Bible, and if you don't believe in it or live by it, then damn you to hell. Like, well, and right. so what I've also learned um, from working with you and like figuring out my stuff is like, okay, channeling, right? So mm-hmm. you're like mm-hmm. tapping in and connecting, and so I now can see when I look at people in the church and they're like, oh, I'm talking to God or whatever, like I understand what they think that that means. Like, oh, maybe they are tapping into their higher self Mm -hmm. or maybe fucking not because sometimes they're like, God told me Trump won the election. And then you're like, okay, well, I don't think that your higher self is telling you that. (laughs) Um, But it's like I see – I see the crossover in that and I can see how we're all trying to do the same thing. I think that we are just deconstructing the trauma and the bullshit that goes Mm -hmm. with it and to practice more freely. I think that you practice compassion and inclusive mm-hmm. yeah inclusivity correct is and right? i think that just <laughs> my tongue is not working right that is today. correct okay thanks. but like but not like banishing people out because they don't believe in right you know or being awful to people because they don't believe what we believe like, and it's undeniable that we are all connected totally. and even science fucking proves yeah. it like it we mm-hmm. are all one mm-hmm. and so it makes sense that we're connected to a source or something we're all like energy that. um I, and so i think that kind of brings it to like okay so when you do psychedelics like you feel that you see that like yeah. it breaks down that layer of like i am the fucking grass i yeah. am this tree yeah i am the mirror to I you. I am you and you are me. Yeah. And so, <laughs> did we just rap? And we are all together. It's <laughs> yeah. a Beatles song. Oh. <laughs> I, I know who the Beatles are. <laughs> Sometimes you look at me I like I'm an old lady. <laughs> um, I think that does bring it to, or do you feel comfortable talking about your mushroom experience? Yeah. Tell yeah. us about um, it. So I've done them a few times now and um, my, the first time was, I mean, I took so little that like, mm-hmm. I uh, didn't think that I was feeling anything. 
also didn't know what to expect. You know how it's kind of like girl yeah. in your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But had just like explicit, like just like happiness and had mm-hmm. um, a moment with the stars and mm-hmm. was just, I don't know, had that um, that Playful. revelation about my, my the um, medication and all that. But then I did them again a few weeks later and took more um, and had much more of a, of a trippy experience and had one of those revelations of like looking at the trees and looking at the grass and things were like literally like neon and glowing and everything looked so alive. Mm. Um, and I just like my bawled favorite. my eyes out. Yeah. Um, it was a yeah, I also saw this painting of a frog crying with a banjo and mm. had a whole like therapy session with my sister because I was like, oh my God, that's why I quit music because I felt like everyone was monetizing on my gifts and like mm. started blowing myself. But another like revelation. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Family Thank now to God took out the frog for mushrooms. I can't yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've, um, I was so scared. I, you know, I, I think that I've always been scared of doing um, anything like mushrooms because I was scared of maybe what I would uncover. And I think mm-hmm. letting go of that fear is that healing can be beautiful. And that's kind of like what it's been for me. I think you've done so a lot of so. healing um, prior to that. Like, yeah, mushrooms can crack that open, but you've been working. Like mm-hmm. you are putting in yeah. the self fucking work. Truly. No, that's true. Um, so what does spirituality look like for you now? Like Mm -hmm. how, you know, you say you, you meditate and you know, you're a manifester. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any practices or anything that, uh, you know, you've really adopted and have created your own is, you know, what's your magic look like today? Yeah. Um, I think it's still growing and evolving into a practice and I, um, I'm still working through those, like I said, those speed bumps of, I will start something and think like, oh my God, this is like, like journaling and like talking and like doing affirmations and like speaking things into existence. But like, that's a very Christian thing to say, um, manifesting. Cause I used to be told as a Christian to speak things into existence Oh, but that's like marriage. I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. See, I love when you see those sames. (laughs) Yes. Um. So a lot of that, I think that my spirituality right now, where I'm at in life, is I'm working my ass off with two businesses and a lot of other little things are happening in my life. So manifesting is very much a part of my life, and so, but really trying to ground myself into what is like, what is my life supposed to look like? And really bringing back to, you know, I told Jim towards the beginning, like I've loved humanitarian work. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've fallen so far away from that. And just like coming back to myself and with doing things like meditating and journaling and quote unquote praying to the universe and just being like, like I'm open to seeing the doors are open and I'm um, really just I guess in essence, opening myself up to the universe, working on me in whatever way needs to be because I keep closing that door because I'm scared. Yeah. And just really just trying to stay open and present. I have a three-year-old and I feel like Mm -hmm. I learned more about spirituality just Mm -hmm. watching her grow up right now. Yeah. Watching her 
view the world. It's literally a mind trip. Like I, so my spirituality is watching my toddler. Yeah, like she teaches. That was me- kind of my next question is like, how are you raising her differently than you were? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, she's only three, so I haven't got to do a lot of deep talks with her, but I know that <laughs> a lot of my intentions with her is to just treat her as this human that she is. Like mm-hmm. she's not my mini me or my doll. She's yeah, not mm-hmm. my second chance at childhood. She's not my redemption story. She is an entire new person. And so mm-hmm. like I, for Christmas, she wants a sad monster. I don't even know what a sad monster is. <laughs> that's what she wants. <laughs> and I think it's a really good example of being like, okay, Amara. I don't know why you'd want a sad monster. I don't understand that, but I hear you, and that's really, really cool. I'll get you that sad monster. <laughs> Can but you tell me where to find it, like, though? I know. If anybody knows where to find a sad monster. Um, <laughs> I can be anything from, like, hey, mom, like, I, I want to do karate, or mom, I I think I'm a boy, or mom, I like girls. Like, anything that comes to me that, like, I makes no sense, like, I want to approach her with, like, cool tell me more about you like not projecting who I think she is but like can like even now letting her teach me who she is um I think just watching you you're doing an amazing job I love watching you be a mom and it's very inspiring thank you Taylor I love you you're welcome I love you yeah I love being a mom I think that like the the best thing I've done for myself is take the pressure off myself. The moment that I was just like, Amara is going to continue showing me who she is. It takes mm-hmm. the pressure off me to like show her who she is. Yeah. I think that's really important. And like, what a beautiful yeah. way for you both to like continue to grow together as yeah. mom and daughter, yeah. as mom mm-hmm. and child. Um, yes. That kind of wraps, goes into our final question, which is, Speaking of like growing up and children and stuff like that, like if you could tell your younger self something, what would that be? Oof. That's a question. It is. Mm -hmm. You can take some time Um, to think about it. I would tell her to just keep asking questions Mm -hmm. because I had the questions and I never asked them. Mm -hmm. And I... I don't think the end goal is to not be Christian. And I hope that anybody listening to this doesn't think I'm a Christian hater. Most of my family yeah. and my friends are still Christians. Yeah. And that's just not my path. And <laughs> I was even telling Amber, I was like, and God forbid one day Amara tells me she wants to be a Christian. Like I'm going to have to find compassion yeah. and space. To be like, okay, cool. You do that. Yeah. Um, but I just would so desperately want to create the space for like Amara to be able to figure out life and me, you know, her ask all the questions and then she gets to make, you know, she gets to tell me how she sees life and everything. Mm -hmm. And I know there'll be influences for me and other people, Mm -hmm. but I think that I, that's one thing I just didn't have. I didn't have the space to question. And I think that, um, I would just tell myself to keep asking the hard questions. Yeah. And then life gets better. And Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. That's such a good answer so beautiful and I know we like kind of ask like what's your spirituality look like but another question we have is like what is a self-care practice of yours that you really try to incorporate regularly Mm 
Recently, it has been slowing down and cooking food. And that sounds really mm. silly, but like I oh, that's feel great. so distracted all the time that like even while I'm cooking, I have like I'm scrolling TikTok on the side or doing this or have a podcast and I'm just like food is so sacred and can be such a sacred experience mm-hmm. with eating and cooking. Mm-hmm. And it's three times in the day that you get to just turn everything off. And so that has been my attempting. That has been my let's just shut everything off. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's actually been really powerful. So that's Love awesome. That. Yeah. That's an amazing one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, where if anybody wants to find you, this is your time to like, well, okay, before we go, you are midwife. You do yoga um teaching like yeah. if anybody wants to find you doing that or if someone in St. Louis or Southern Oregon wants to get waxed like you can plug all of that okay yeah, if there's anything well, specific I'm, you um, want to tell us about those things yeah. too totally um so birth work I'm a student midwife and a doula and prenatal yoga instructor I'm doing all of that in St. Louis um you can connect with me on my personal Instagram, which is just Jess and Mars, M-A-R-S for Amara, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but my I, I am a waxer and have two locations. One is in Medford, Oregon, in downtown Medford. Across and the street from one us right around the corner from <laughs> yes, the movies. I can see it from the <laughs> window. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, in the Central West End in St. Louis, and the Instagram for both of those is at Waxed, W-A-X-E-D, Studios. Um, yeah. Some people say my calling in life is vaginas because I watch babies <laughs> be born and I wax hair, so. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Um, we would love to have you back someday just to talk, like, all things midwifery and um, yes. stuff like that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, should we do a card pull? Oh, yeah. Would you like to join us for a card pull? Yeah. Okay. So before we go, let's pull a beautiful card. Um, I pulled the Rose Oracle by Rebecca Campbell out, realizing we haven't used this deck in a really long time. And I just think because it's so like heart opening and heart centered, uh, it would just be like a nice gentle loving mothery deck for us mm-hmm. which just feels love good that. for this episode so i'm just fanning all the cards over my heart and let's just take a deep breath together to put our energy into the deck breathing in all right mama rose What message do we need to hear today? Oops, that's not the right one. Okay, Taylor, I want you to pick it for us. Pick it? Pick it. (laughs) Pick the rose. That was the one I was looking at, too. Oh, (laughs) I didn't even. Aw, this is crazy. It says the crowning. Um, initiation, threshold, thresholds, birth, rebirth, a seat at the table. Wow. I feel like the birth and rebirth thing means so many things. Your midwife, Mm -hmm. you're rebirthing yourself. Yeah. Um, I'll take a picture of the card. It's really beautiful. 
Oh what's, God, it, what's it called again the crowning it's yeah. a woman um with a rose on her pussy and there's a baby coming out of the bot like on the bottom but there's these two hands like holding up the baby it's really pretty kind of makes oh, me feel like pregnant <laughs> far away it totally looks like a pussy um okay there comes a time when the flower knows that it can no longer remain in the protective constraints of the bud. Somehow it needs to trust in the birthing energy and surrender to the unknown of the bloom. The same birthing energy exists within all of nature and in birth, both physical and metaphorical. It's an initiation for the mother as well as the child who transitions from the water world of the womb to a whole new one on earth. This is a card of crossing thresholds and walking through the gates of initiation, which requires great courage and faith. There are rolling contractions and it's most, it's almost always not straightforward. As we transition from one thing to another, we're called to burst through the constraints of the seed mm. and then the certainty of the bud so that something new can bloom from within. We're always birthing something and deep inside we know that the only way to surrender to the initiation is to surrender to the innate power within. This power is inner, but it's also connected with the intelligence that exists within all of life. It's the same energy that tells flowers when to bloom, and it was present when you grew in your mother's womb. Mm. Trust in that. It will carry you through. Surrender to what's waiting to be born through you. Life is always trying to initiate us into even more of who we truly are. And then the soul inquiry is, how is life trying to initiate you? I it's love a beautiful that. little journal prompt if you want to dive further into that. That, oh, that so many thoughts like reading that like listening to your journey and how literally like mm -hmm. everything you've been through has brought you like it's just brought you to the next point of like okay how can I yeah. expand more and especially when you you know went to Portland and you're like learning all about all these different belief systems and such where you're just like okay I'm ready to set all of my previous thought process aside and like yep. open to like just surrendering to this new birthing process this this new belief yeah. be an initiation and then you know becoming a mother and just everything that you do I feel like it's also like making me think of like journeying with mushrooms mm -hmm. and like totally Boy. surrendering to the magic that can unfold within that and like, you know, the whole, we are everything. We are, mm -hmm. you know, we are the grass, we are the trees, as we were talking about, like the, it says mm -hmm. the same thing and just trusting in the energy that exists all around us. And also like thinking about that too. And like from the religious aspect, like I feel like this is very gentle reminder of like, there is still something bigger driving yeah. us and our energy systems and I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'm just like so excited. This card is so beautiful. <laughs> like envisioning the birthing process. Fucking it. beautiful. Love that. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Well, thanks again, Jess, for Thank being with so us much. today. Thank you so much. 
I love you. This Thank was you amazing. Guys. I had literally full body chills the entire yeah, time. Yeah, me too. And such important information. We cried well, for you. We did. So nobody <laughs> left safe. Yes. Thank you so much okay, for cool. your vulnerability and your openness and your honesty and just speaking from a compassionate place with yourself mm -hmm. as well as others who may be going through the same thing. Yeah. It's a very important conversation. We're so grateful that you allowed us to hear, hear you out. It was beautiful. Thank you, witches, for listening. Don't forget to give us a follow on all the social media platforms at Waking Up the Witch. Email us everything, all of it, at wakingupthewitch at gmail.com. And don't forget to do something nice for yourself. Take your dog on a walk. Drink some water. Call your mom. <laughs> Brush your teeth.